0: Guys, we got a lot to cover, so let's jump right in. On this episode, I want to talk about biblical sex and how it is all intertwined spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. It's not just a physical thing that reptiles do or animals do. It is a hugely spiritual thing between humans and God um, and the way the enemy, Satan, has degraded it and compromised it and uh, demolished it down to this thing people just do for some pleasure is so far away from God's design for it Um, and so we are going to talk about it today and I'm so excited to show you this because you may or may not know this about the Bible and about sex and about humans but maybe by the end you'll have some light bulb moments again (laughs) all right so um as I established in the last episode for reptile sex is just procreation for mammals it breeds attachment and bonding but god gave us the neocortex we have attachment and bonding and procreation but then we also have uh, morals and standards um it's not just something we do for pleasure which also though it brings us pleasure so thank you god for that but um sex is also an act of intimacy if you notice in scripture it will say adam knew eve when it's talking about sex or it'll say david knew bathsheba like they know someone it's a very mental emotional spiritual thing so anyone who tries to break it down and think that you can in a healthy way just hook up with someone and not be bothered you've been believing a lie you've been lied to stop hurting yourself did you know it's a scientific fact you can google this right now that the more sexual partners a person has the more it decreases their lifespan your in it increases your chances of dying younger the more sexual partners you have so whether you believe in God or not that's a scientific fact okay back to it Um, first off the way I guess I would describe sex the way God designed it as it's a covenant and what's a covenant? A covenant is a promise. It's a contract between two people in the Bible. It's a covenant between God and his people, between Abraham. Um, there's other. There's lots of other covenants, but the one I want to focus on right now is in Genesis 15, 9, when God says to Abraham, hey, you're going to be the father of great a great nation. Lots of descendants are going to come from you. And Abraham's like, huh? Uh, I didn't know if you noticed, but me and my wife are way past childbearing years. Like, what are you even talking about? And um, God says, I'm going to give you a son. Don't worry about it. And he's like, how do I know this is going to happen for sure? And God says, okay, bring me a three-year-old female calf, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a dove, and a young pigeon. He took all of these animals, split them in half, and laid the halves facing each other he didn't split the birds so the reason the symbolism of the act of cutting these animals in half um was a representation of saying if if my party breaks the contract this is our fate if you break the contract this is your fate it's essentially saying hey don't break this contract or we're gonna die but um so God said, my half of the promise, my half of the covenant is worship me only, follow the commands that I give you. And as long as you do that, I will bless you. I will protect you. I will fight all your battles for you. I will bless your descendants. Basically, life is gonna be really, really good as long as you follow me. Like these are the benefits that come with following me. But if you choose, to be like the nations around you, to not do what I've commanded, to not follow the way that I designed you to live. If you worship these false idols, like these rocks and trees and sticks that people would carve images into and say, this is God and worship it. He said, if you choose to do that, the promise will be broken because you cheated on me. You cheated on me by worshiping other gods, which those aren't gods, they're false idols. They're just little idols they're not even a real God. They have no power. Um, they're only empowered by demons. And if you worship a demon, you're a slave to it and you're going to hell. So don't worship an idol, guys. Back up, though. God said, if you worship any of these idols or disobey my commands, the promise is broken. So um, one of the commands um, that was is, is in the Old Testament, they ended up building a temple for the presence of God to reside in. Um, and there were, in, in this temple, it was like the courtyard, the temple, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things with this temple, but I'm going to break it down. I mean, I'm just going to keep it simple. There's a, a part in this temple was just called the holiest of holies. And there was this huge curtain, this veil, as they ca- called it, because in this room, that's where the presence of God rested. And to be able to enter that room, a priest, the high priest, only one time a year was allowed to go into that room. And to even go in there, they had to sacrifice animals. They had to have clean garments, a clean body. Like there was a big, huge purification process to be, to enter into this holiest of holies. Like an animal sacrifice had to be made, the shedding of blood to purify the sins of the people. We talked about that in episode 2.2. But, um, And that was done once a year. And they were terrified to go into this Holies of Holies because if the purification process, if any step had been skipped over or missed or they didn't do it properly, as soon as the priest walked into that room, he would die immediately. Like literally, they tied a rope around the priest's leg with the bell and he would walk into that room because if the bell stopped ringing, they would know they had messed up the process and the priest died because of it. It was huge, huge ramifications for not following these step-by-step commands by God to enter into his holiest presence. Um, Long story short, we all know the Israelites did not follow God and keep all his commands. They worshipped other idols. They defiled themselves. They grew in sexual immorality. They even started acting like the nations around them and sacrificing their children for these false gods, which is actually modern-day abortion, FYI um but so the israelites cheated on god the covenant was broken there was an end to it because they worshiped other idols and so but fast forward to the new testament um well so what would happen in the old testament when they broke god's covenant he would draw back his protection because they would forget how good they had it Like they would take advantage of God's goodness and his protection. And they would kind of get full of themselves and think like, oh, we don't need God. We're good without him. We don't really need his protection. So God would be like, okay. He'd pull his protection back. The nations around them would attack them, kill them, take them into captivity. And they'd be like, oh God, we're sorry for being idiots. Could you please rescue us? He would have mercy, take them back. Even though they're little cheating humans, he would take them back bless them protect them set them up all over again for success and what do you know they become arrogant and prideful again oh we don't need god we can worship whatever we want we can do whatever we want with our bodies we're our own gods here and he would say okay are you i'll draw back my protection again what do you know the other people would attack them bring them into captivity they would cry out to god isn't this annoying me even talking about it right now how annoying and repetitive it was god would rescue them set them up they would eventually get arrogant and lazy fall into old patterns go back into captivity cry out to god it was a repetitive cycle over and over again in the old testament they could never follow god wholeheartedly but um in ezekiel he said someday there's going to be a new covenant and they're not going to have my commands written on a tablet the way moses wrote the ten commandments on a tablet but my commands are going to be written on their heart and so we will know how to follow god with our heart even but i'm getting ahead of myself back up a little bit so um the old testament covenant between god and the israelites was broken by the israelites god was always faithful and he still remained faithful in his promise to abraham to bless all the nations someday and that that promise that he fulfilled was the coming of jesus his own son and so if you skip to the new testament when jesus came to earth stepped out of heaven came to earth lived as a human lived perfectly never sinned never disobeyed was pure in all the ways and then to enter into the holiest of holies god's presence he didn't sacrifice an animal he sacrificed himself he shed his own blood so the shedding of his own blood established the new covenant that allowed us to have relationship with god in the old testament it was following of all these commands and sacrificing animals in the new testament it's following jesus and giving our lives to jesus and letting his blood purify our sins Uh, We have to become a new creation in Christ. We have to be born again. He says, unless you become born again and become like little children, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, why am I telling you that story? What's that have to do with sex? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) So, if we go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, um, God created Adam. And... He was looking at him and he said, Then the Lord God formed the man. This is in Genesis 2-7. God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Only humans receive the breath of life, by the way, not reptiles, not animals. Humans, that's another aspect that sets us apart. Um, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the man whom he had formed. Let's fast forward to verse 18. Then God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them into Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. He gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, the wild animals, but there was still no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Guys, this is in Genesis okay in the second chapter fast forward to the new testament in ephesians 5 32 paul says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way christ and the church are one okay so the way that he designed humans and designed sex and designed male and female is all a representation of jesus and his church sex wasn't a dirty shameful perverted power move to be used between humans among humans satan knows the spiritual the spiritual profoundness the spiritual depth the spiritual power behind sex that is why he preys on humans so much so so much in in sexual ways because it is a spiritual act that god specifically designed for humans to be able to create other humans it is supposed to be a a holy beautiful pure thing between two humans to experience the way god created us to thrive on earth with him with each other And if you listened to my first, the first episode where I said, let's talk about sex and you felt condemnation for the way that you are, there is, I just want to say right now, there's a difference between people who are living like reptiles and want to keep living like reptiles. Those are prideful people. If you are a person that listened to that and you were like, yeah, I do live like a reptile, but I don't want to. I wish that i didn't but i don't feel like i can stop you can call on the name of jesus and he can change you you are not doomed to destruction if you call on his name he can rescue you from that that is the difference in people who live like reptiles and want to keep doing it and a person who's living like a reptile right now and is like how do i stop you stop by calling on the name of jesus and there are practical ways of doing that but I just wanted to say that i i was talking more when i when i sound like i'm condemning people i'm not condemning someone who has a heart that wants to serve jesus and doesn't like the sin in their life i'm condemning people that the bible says they are choosing their own path and they're and they're not choosing jesus i'm not the one condemning them the bible is they're choosing their own fate god has given you a way out of that and it's jesus That was just a side note, by the way. But um, sex was not supposed to be shameful. We were not supposed to be like reptiles and just doing it whenever we're horny or full of lust. That was for reptiles. And we're not supposed to do it just when we want to feel close to someone, a random person, just to get a little closer to them. No, sex is specifically, exclusively, only within the bounds of a man and a woman that are husband and wife all right the way christ shed his blood and made a covenant with god by shedding his own blood dying on the cross it said when when christ died on the cross that veil that separated humans from the holies of holies god's present that veil was torn in two it says that in the new testament that when jesus died on the cross the veil tore in two god was saying this is the new covenant he paid the price." and it is acceptable. I accept his, his sacrifice of himself. It was pure, it was perfect. It did away with all sin. All sin came through Adam and the purification of all sin came through Jesus' his death. Um, so the way that Jesus shed his blood, I'm focusing on this specifically, the way Jesus shed his blood and entered into the holiest of holies to draw us to himself, To become one with him he we by when we accept jesus we are born again we become new creations okay sex being a spiritual thing um this is what i wanted this is where it gets really cool in my opinion um god's designed for sex so eve was taken out of adam and for them to be able to procreate they have to lay together the two have to become one flesh so in the way that sex between adam and eve created life relationship with jesus we create new life we are born again so we are born once physically when we are born from our mother's womb then we are born again spiritually when we receive jesus and he says in the new testament unless you are born again you cannot inherit the kingdom of god unless you become like a little kid you cannot inherit the kingdom of god we came out of our mother's womb one way and our reptilian brain our limbic system our cerebellum our neocortex all of that started receiving subconscious programming conditioning messages experiences family dynamics male and female roles all this all this messaging from society from the time we came out of our mother's womb we have a physical birth but then when we accept jesus we have a new birth in him spiritually and we have to now become like a little baby and learn the ways of the kingdom because we've been walking in the ways of the world since we came out of our mom's womb that's just the way it happened like if you're born in this that's what you learn but jesus says Forget everything you've learned. You have to learn everything again my way now. So we have to humble ourselves and become like little babies and say, okay, I thought life and everything was supposed to be like this, but now that I'm following Jesus, I'm going to read the Bible and see how it tells me to live because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Um, but, all right, let's, Go back to how this is spiritually a sexual thing and how sex is a spiritual thing. All right, so the way God designed a man and a woman. um, If you know, in the old, there's the man was born or created and then the woman was taken out of the man and they're supposed to be a team. It's not supposed to be a competition. It's not supposed to be a power struggle. It's in the same way that we were created from God we were created for God, but we were separated from him by sin. Then when Jesus died for us, we come back into relationship with him, back into union. Um, so God, the way God physically designed us, physically designed a man and a woman, a male and a female in his image. So when we lay together a man and a woman, we create another human being the way God created us. And, um it's a beautiful thing, guys. It's so beautiful. But gosh, the way society makes it this like shameful, embarrassing thing is so sad. Ah, It's depressing the way Satan has just degraded sex and perverted it. But all right, let's get a little technical here. The way God designed our sexual body parts. Um, so I'm going to talk about something here you may have heard before. Just hold on with me. Get out of a religious mindset if you have one so um sex is deeply spiritual and it's a holy thing a woman's vagina is a spiritual portal and it leads to her womb which is a holy place that creates life like god gave a woman a womb a woman a female not a male Not a transgender male. transgender male will have a womb still unless he gets it physically removed because he is still a woman no matter what we call him. And there is no male born on this planet that can get a womb implanted in him. Okay? There are just some ways you will never be able to break down male and female and say a woman can become a man and a man can become a woman. Guys, that is just not logical. Like we can be kind and polite and say, okay, you wanna identify as a woman now, we'll call you a woman. You're not a woman though. We are all having to collectively live in delusion and playing pretend to get on that language. I'm a he, him, I'm a, I'm a she, 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 her, I'm a they, I'm a them. Okay, so we're just skipping that for now. But um, a man has a penis and a woman has a vagina. And at the beginning, at the entrance of her vagina is a blood cell membrane called a hymen. If you know biology or science, you know this. If you don't, you're welcome. A hymen is at the entrance of a vagina. And so when the penis enters the vagina, blood is shed. The hymen is broken. You can Google right now. You can go to Google, pull up your phone, Google, what is the purpose of a hymen? This is the definition you're going to get. Your hymen doesn't serve a purpose in your body or reproductive system. Unlike other organs or tissues with a clear job, no one knows for sure what the hymen does. Some think it might have something to do with keeping bacteria or foreign objects out of your vagina. But we do know it physically creates a partial boundary between the external and internal genital organs. You know why they can't find a scientific purpose for a hymen? Because God created it for a spiritual representation of the veil that kept humans out of the temple of the holiest of holies where God's presence is, that blood had to be shed to go into. That's, the, the hymen was supposed to protect the sacredness of a womb. No one's supposed to enter it except the husband, the one she's supposed to be with for life. The same way Jesus, the, bro- the groom, enters the holiest of holies by shedding his blood and draws the whole church to himself, the bride, if you read all the New Testament, the church is the bride of Christ and he is the groom. It's not a perverted thing, but the sexual act between a man and a woman represents this physicalness. Um, essentially, the vagina, the womb is a sacred place and the hymen is a, it's like a spiritual gate. Physically, it's, it's a spiritual gate that is supposed to protect the womb. The holies of holies, where life is created. Christ enters the holies of holies, and now, in Christ, we are new creations. When a penis enters a vagina, life is created physically. When Jesus entered the holies of holies, life is created spiritually when we put our trust in Jesus. Nothing else on earth will give us a new spiritual life. Only Jesus is the one that shed his blood after living a pure life to give us the ability and the authority to live a new spiritual life he is the only one that did that for us no one else so back to the representation of a covenant how God the the animals were killed in the Old Testament and that was the promise between God and his people that if you break that covenant that will be your fate in the New Testament Jesus shed his own blood that was the new covenant so anytime a man lays with a woman a covenant is made right there spiritually between the two physically between the two through this sexual act a covenant is made so like if you think uh, I just you know I lost my virginity to that guy when I was in ninth grade you made a covenant with that guy in ninth grade you did it when you were 28 this guy and you made a covenant between yourselves spiritually you may not be physically or emotionally mentally thinking it meant that much to you but in the spirit realm you made a covenant with this person so whether or not you think that it wasn't that big of a deal to you it is a huge deal with huge ramifications in the spirit realm you remember the story of jesus and the woman at the well in john chapter four um, jesus came to a town called samaria And it said, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon in the middle of the day, which at this time no one would come to the well in the middle of the day unless um, they were trying to avoid the crowds because they lived a life of shame or they were um, embarrassed to be around other people because they made choices that everybody else would shame them and judge them. So it was at the heat at the height of day and a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So you know right away, this says something about her and her reputation that she's coming in the middle of the day to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, uh, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Like, how can you ask me for a drink you're breaking all kinds of rules and customs right now like you're gonna be hated on by talking to me it's essentially like someone speaking to a modern day prostitute or just a woman sitting at the bar waiting to pick up men if you sit down and talk to her everyone's gonna be like bro what are you doing everyone's gonna think terrible of you now so that's what she was saying like hey why are you talking to me? It's not good news for you to be talking to me. But Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, he was asking her for just some literal water. He's saying, but I am the spiritual living water that every soul on this planet is starving for. And if you knew that, you would just say, can I have your living water? Can I have you, Jesus? Like, he's the thing her soul is seeking in all these men. So she goes on to say, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Is it also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, He's essential woman, you're not getting it. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, because it's physical water for your physical body. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Because I'm giving a spiritual water for your spiritual soul, the thing that you're craving that you can't grasp with your hands, but that's always in you and always wanting something, always craving something. Jesus says, I give you water that if you drink this water, your soul's going to quiet down. And stop being so restless. Um, Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Like as you drink of Jesus, you're going to be so full of water. It's just going to flow out of you. You're like, you're, you're going to be this raging river everywhere you go where just you nourish people around you with the things you say and the way you live your life because this living water that you have from Jesus is flowing out of you. The part I want to talk about where he said, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What he is saying to her right now is, you've slept with at least five men and you're sleeping with one right now. You're not legally married to him on paper, but in the spirit realm, your reputation speaks out. And that for that type of woman back in that day five was a lot of people because they wouldn't even they would the only types of women in their mind that even slept with someone outside of marriage was a prostitute we don't know if this woman was a prostitute it doesn't say that we don't know if this woman even had parents who raised her maybe she uh was born in a prostitution house And as soon as she was able to walk and feed herself, they kicked her out. And she's been on the street since she was tiny. It doesn't say her age. It doesn't say if she had an abusive father. It doesn't say if she was sexually molested when she was little. She could have been abused by her father, abused by men on the street. We have no idea. She could have lots of trauma that caused her to seek comfort in men in a sexual way because she needed protection. And, in her mind, the only way she's going to get this protection if she sleeps with these guys and they take her in because she's giving them sex, but at least it's a roof over her head. The ways Satan has used sex to manipulate people and trap them and just people using sex to get needs met in a a way that God didn't design for it to be, it's I can't imagine the pain God feels watching it be so abused and misused and perverted but i said all those things about her because we don't know what this woman's life was like why she got to this place where she's slept with at least five men um and that's why it also says god looks at the heart because lots of things were happening to this woman's limbic system her whole life and in her mind the only way to survive is through sex Like there are so many reasons why people make these choices that we will never know. We don't actually know what it's like to be them or being their shoes. That's why God tells us not to judge. And that's why it says God looks at the heart. And so there's so many people that make choices that I I will never, ever be able to comprehend or understand why they do. And some people I will say, you know what, I don't know the trauma they've been through. And I just, I feel sorry for them on a daily basis. There's people I think of out here in this world making choices, getting used day after day. Um, God, just the way they have to lie to themselves to make it through the day, to find a little bit of comfort in a stranger. And I'm just like, man, I have no idea what that life is like. And it breaks my heart to know people have to do that. But then, as I mentioned earlier, there are people out there that are happy to do that and they want to keep doing that. And they don't want to humble themselves and say, I shouldn't be living this way. Instead, they're full of pride and they say, I like living this way and I'm going to continue living this way. I don't feel, I mean, I still feel sorry for those people because their end is destruction, but I don't feel sorry for them that like when they get what's coming to them, their pride, pride scary pride blocks god from moving in your heart and mind because just like any 12 step program of people like with an addiction the first step is having to say i messed up i'm wrong i need help and pride keeps people from doing that that's why scripture says god hates pride Um, but if you humble yourself and call the name of jesus he will save you so humble yourselves, guys. Don't stay in pride. It's not worth it. Nothing on this earth is worth your soul for eternity. Humble yourselves, guys. Call on the name of Jesus. Repent. Change your lives. He will change your life if you walk with him. Um, but so I was reading the story about the woman at the well because it was establishing she's had five husbands. It didn't say she had married five people, but she had five husbands. So anyone you have slept with, you made a covenant with them that's a big deal so as i mentioned if you have laid with 20 people in the spirit realm it is saying you are committing adultery left and right on your spouses on your future spouse like people think adultery is only if you're married and you cheat on them if you're gonna if i'm gonna be married in two years if i sleep with someone right now in the spirit realm, I've made a covenant with that person. And now, if I get married in two years, I'm committing adultery on the person I'm sleeping with now. And my, my body parts, the hymen, the spiritual gate, that's only supposed to be broken by my bridegroom, my groom has been broken by someone else. So guys, if you think there's no consequence for you sleeping with women, other than your wife, you are going around defiling women. You are making yourself one over and over again with women that are only supposed to be with one man. Like, I can't tell you how many guys I've met in my life who think they're gonna sleep around as much as possible and then when it's time to get married, for some reason, they want a girl who's a virgin. Men act like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm woke, I'm a feminist. You can sleep with as many dudes as you want and I don't care. So yeah, let's hook up. It doesn't bother me, I still respect you. But then when it comes down to finding the woman they wanna marry, they don't want a woman that's been with a lot of people. The truth actually speaks up. They do actually care. But in the moment, they're gonna tell you they don't because they wanna get with you. They don't want you to have any standards. They don't want you to have any morals. They want you to just please them in that moment. They don't care the repercussions for you. They don't care that they could possibly impregnate you and your life is forever changed and theirs too. Dude, on so many dating apps, I see at the top of their profile, this guy's little profile will say, I'm pro-choice. As if it's like a badge of honor. Hey, I support your right to sacrifice your child if you want. I'm cool with it. Like, I immediately swipe left if I ever see that on a guy's profile. I'm like, that is not a man who cherishes or cares about human life. Like, yeah, he hopes you're down to abort it because he doesn't want to take care of it. He just met you. He wanted a one night stand with you. That is not respect. He is not respecting you. The way Satan has hijacked and twisted what feminism actually is, is mind blowing. Literally our womb is a sacred place that creates human life and we have degraded our bodies down to my body, my choice. If there's a human life being made inside of me and I don't want it, kill it. Oh wait, let's not say kill it, let's say abortion. That sounds better. Yeah. Oh, wait, let's not even call it a baby. Let's call it a clump of cells. Like the delusion people have to live under to create these heinous acts, but they're still, regardless, sacrificing of children. Like if we want to change America, we got to start there. It is a nation that offers child sacrifice. Like we read the Bible and we're like, oh yeah, we would never do half the things they did in the Old Testament. Yeah, that's what abortion is. Modern day child sacrifice. I don't even know why I'm on that rant, but I guess it's for someone but um back to just scripture and what it is talking about when a man lays with a woman a covenant is made when a man lays with a woman it is a representation of christ dying on the cross shedding his own blood entering into the holiest of holies um If you're looking at this illustration of man having sex with a woman as a representation of Jesus and the church and you're like, that's kind of weird. Because it's only weird because we've made the act of sex something shameful. God didn't do that. Satan did. After the fall. All marriages are supposed to be, repre- are supposed to be representing Christ in this way. Representing Jesus the way he sacrificed himself and laid down his life for the church so that we may enter into the holies of holies, God's presence. And the Bible says men are supposed to lay down their lives for their wives and children if they have them. They're supposed to be sacrificing their own will and selfish desire for their wives. This is what scripture says. I'm not making this up. It calls women to submit to their husbands the way the church submits to Christ. But first, the husband is supposed to die for her. I don't want to get on a super long tangent here, but this scripture has been abused to control and manipulate women into doing whatever the man desires. And that is Satan. That isn't from Jesus. Men, okay. I've just seen people use this verse my entire life to control their wives, which... God gave us the freedom to choose to submit to him. He didn't force us. So men, you do not have the right or freedom to force or control your wife to do anything. She has the freedom of choice to submit to you or not. The same way you have the choice and freedom to submit to Jesus. And newsflash, if she's not submitting to you, before you ask God to make her submit, you might want to ask God first to show you how to die for her to die to yourself, to put her first. Because I have literally never met any couple in my life where the man was fully submitted to God and the woman wasn't submitted to him. I have met many couples where the woman isn't submitted to her husband and he can't figure out why. Not being able to look in the mirror and see that he's not actually submitted to God first. He has never actually laid down his life for his wife. He thinks doing the absolute bare minimum of a marriage contract, like, not cheating, not beating her, paying the bills, is him dying to himself. Like, it's, it's amazing to me how many men think they're like stand-up guys because they do the absolute bare minimum like that. Um, but yeah, those men, you've got a lot to learn. And I, I couldn't even use this next episode or the next 15 episodes to teach you. For one, I don't have the authority to teach a man how to be a husband because I'm not a husband. I'm not married to a woman I never will be and even if I did I wouldn't be a husband (laughs) and then I'm not a father I can't teach a man or any male on this planet how to be a father or a husband Uh, one question you might want to ask yourself just to get started in the direction is have you ever washed your wife's feet because Jesus served his disciples he washed their feet he served them i know too many men that expect their wives to wash their feet it's so backwards jesus went and he said to peter i have to wash your feet i have to know the darkest deepest places of you and love those places anyways you will never transform if you don't let me into the secret places that you're ashamed of like jesus wanted to know his disciples in that way like men you have to know your wives in that way And love all those places within her. And she will transform before your eyes. But it requires you to do this. You to lead the way. The man is the head of the household. You have to be the one to make a sacrifice. Humble yourself. Do the thing that you think is embarrassing. That if someone from the outside looked at you. Would be like whoa. What is that dude doing? Who cares? What anyone on the outside says. Do what Jesus did serve your wife lay down your life for your bride the way christ laid down his life for the church and watch your marriage transform watch your life transform jesus says the greatest of all is to be the servant of all so if you're a man out there that has great respect in your society in your town if you're running businesses and people like admire you from afar but when you get home if you're harsh and disrespectful to your wife guys do not expect to prosper in any area of your life if you do not first honor your bride at home god will not honor that if you're a man listening to this and what i'm saying is bothering you or some you have some self-righteous trigger going on inside of you you're probably exactly the kind of man who needs to learn from jesus how you're supposed to serve your wife and I, I can't be the one to teach you. But if you're a man listening to this and you're cracking up at everything I'm saying, and you're like, yeah, she's right. Then you're probably on your way or you probably already are serving your wife the way she's supposed to be. Um, just out of my entire life, I've seen a couple marriages that I like. I've only seen one. 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 I'm 37 years old. I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up in a Christian town. I grew up going to church. I've only seen one marriage that is actually a full representation of the way Christ died for the church. And that is very sad. And people in the church cannot figure out why the world really wants nothing to do with Jesus or the church. It's not that hard to understand why they don't i don't know if i i, re- I read the scripture yet but just in ephesians 5:22 through 33 the scripture where it's talking about wives be subject to your husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body and he is himself its savior as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Um, but yeah, I did read that scripture in the beginning, but he calls that a great mystery because it, it, it was God's little hint in the way he created Adam and Eve in the beginning of how he planned on reconciling us in the New Testament. He was saying the way Eve was taking out of the, the side of Adam And when the two lay together, the two become one flesh and create human life. In the New Testament, Christ died, laid down his life. And when he shed his blood, when we enter into relationship with Christ, new spiritual life is birthed. That's so cool to me. I mean, maybe you don't think it's cool, but I think God's pretty poetic. And that's just pretty dope. Like the way he designed us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um... I'm going to, in the next episode, I'm going to read a lot more scripture just talking about how, and I'm going to address the scriptures about like the heart's deceitful above all things who can discern it. Um, Well, we can't discern it because it's your limbic system that got all this subconscious programming growing up. So you're like, my heart wants that. Yeah. Well, your heart, don't listen to your heart. It's an animal and we're human, but your heart's acting off of instincts we're not supposed to act off of instincts we're supposed to be self-controlled i want to go over scripture that talks about those types of things um and i'm gonna do an episode i i think if you just listen to my last episode and this one it's pretty obvious that god designed sex and creation to be between man and a woman a male and a female and I'll get into the next episode more about homosexuality and how the Bible doesn't support it. And we wouldn't even have to mention the word homosexuality. And the Bible is very clear. If you just listen to my last two episodes, no two men can lay together, no two women can lay together and create life the way a man and woman does. No other man has a hymen. So when a man lays with a man, there is no entering into that man's womb to create life. There's no bloodshed in the way that now the two are one and have become one flesh. And on the woman's side, there's definitely no way the two become one. Two women can have a hymen, but then one can't enter with a seed and create life for the other. But yeah, I hope maybe you had some revelations on God's design for sex, how it's a covenant how it is a representation of Christ in the church. I'm sure you've heard some of that. If you grew up in church, you definitely have. But uh, maybe just in a new way, you will have a more respect and reverence. Um, I don't know, those are the same word. Fear, (laughs) the way that God designed sex to be and honor it. And guys, there's so much blessing and reward to come from honoring sex the way God designed it. And if your parents talk to your kids about it, don't let them go around being marrying everybody in high school in college you don't want 50 spouses by the time you get married that does have a a spiritual ramification physically mentally emotionally in the spirit realm i'm sure maybe sometimes you've heard a term called spiritual spouse that's what they're referring to you have spiritual spouses when you've slept with people that you're not legally married to you're still married to them in the spirit realm and by the way if you happen to do that and you regret those choices and you want jesus to release you from those spiritual spouses i i personally believe you need to ask him to shed his blood cover his co- cover that covenant you made with that person with his covenant with his blood his blood is the only blood on in this world in this universe that can null nullify a covenant made between two people And you should go through the list of however many people you've been with, say each name, and ask Jesus to to cover that covenant in his blood so that it nullifies it, that washes away and purifies you so that you can get ready for your spouse to come. Or if you're already married, it can unify you with your spouse, uh, who you're with right now. Like you carry the things that have come from that person with you now. You don't want to bring that into your marriage. So call on the name of Jesus. Humble yourselves, guys. Give your life to Jesus. Call on his name. Let him purify you and clean you. So you can thrive and live spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, the way he created you to. And that is only going to be possible in this rebirth with Jesus. But I'm excited for the next episode because I'm just going to talk about scripture that, you know, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. With your reptilian brain, with your mammalian brain, with your neocortex. All types of scriptures support this. And it's going to be exciting to break it down. I'll talk to you next time.